0: Hi, it's Rivki here, Alex, and I know that you're all busy preparing for Pesach in one way or another. We're pretty busy too, which is why we didn't have time to prepare a whole episode for you this week. We do have a bonus episode for you, though our first one. We had a lot of extra content from our conversations with Kami Haber and Yochavet Goldberg that we weren't able to fit into the final cut for the normal from Rebitson's episode. And we thought it would be a nice pre-Pesach treat to share those unheard selections with you so you could listen to them while you clean or pack or procrastinate or whatever it is you're up to right now. These are all excerpts from our larger conversation. I'll try to give some context to them, but many of these excerpts are fantastic all on their own. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Alex Fletcher. And I'm Rivke Silver. And this is Normal for a Woman. The podcast where we embrace the complexities, nuances, and joys of from womanhood. So, our first interview is with Chami Haber of Norfolk, Virginia. Welcome to Normal From Women. Rabbits and Haber, what should we call you? Chami, please. Okay, fantastic. Before we got into the interview part of the conversation, we were schmoozing a little bit about what it's like to be from a smaller community. You'll hear me speaking first. Like, no, um, yeah, it's interesting, the dynamics of being in a smaller community. You know, my husband's from Memphis, and I um, became from in St. Louis, so they're not, you know, it's, it's just like, it's a completely different. Um,
1: oh, totally yeah, different feel. Yeah, 100%.
0: And then we touched upon how weird it is to, you know, be an adult.
1: I I don't see myself being similar to the Rabbitsons I knew as a kid who were like grownups and, you know, mature people and, you know, had a certain um, gravitas, like she's a Rabbitson and I'm not, I'm just a normal from woman.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You you think you are.
0: (laughs) I feel like that's, that's a sentiment that a lot of us can relate to as we, you know, reach a certain age where we're like, Oh, I'm the adult now, but adults Mm -hmm. were so adulty when I was a kid and I don't feel like an adult. I feel like it's a very relatable concept, like the realization that like now you're the one who's supposed to have the gravitas, but like how many of us really feel like we have gravitas, you know?
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Of course, being an adult and being a Robinson means that we have to learn somehow how to have the boundaries and how to know when to be a Rebbiton and when to be a normal firm woman. How do you know when to wear your Rebbiton hat and when to wear your friend hat? Or do you have your Rebbiton hat kind of like always just like waiting in the wings or do you know <laughs> so how So
1: really to... the story I just told you... Kami is referring to this story. I had a conversation with someone a little while ago. She called me one night and she's like, you know, we're having trouble with my, one of my children and it, a lot of discussion... And I finally said to her, you know, maybe you and your husband need to find like a parenting mentor that you can discuss these things with. And she said, what do you think I'm doing right now? Made me always have my rabbits in hat. Because I realized that when people tell me, I guess not always, but when people share struggles, I like to give advice. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but it comes easily to me. And I, you know, people call me and they're like, this is, this is really like, if you ask me what I do most as a Robinson, it's really, you know, counseling people, people call and validating and counseling and giving advice and helping people work through struggles and hopefully grow closer to Hashem at the same time. But, um, when this story happened, I realized there's nobody in Norfolk who sees me as just a friend, like Mm. a regular peer. Yeah. I have my Robinson hat on all the time and it surprised me, but it was really growth. Like I grew through it into being comfortable. Like, okay, I'm wearing my and hat. It never comes off.
2: Is that ever overwhelming or a
1: burden to you? No, not really. I, I'm, I'm very comfortable with it. Sometimes it surprised me because people will say, um, I'll have a conversation with somebody at the end. They'll be like, oh, thank you, Robinson. I'm like, whoa, I forgot I had my Robinson on hat, mm-hmm. hat on. But really, I don't say things differently. Like, if you're my friend, Alex, and you call me for advice, I'm going to give you the same advice I would give you if you were calling me as a friend or if you're calling me as a Robinson. It doesn't, it's just who I am. I guess I just right. actually became a Robinson without realizing.
2: Well, Hashem knew that you were perfect for the job. Exactly. Thanks
0: we discussed the idea of finding the Robinson that works for you and how sometimes we might need to look beyond our own community and that's okay.
2: Yeah. And I think people, I mean, my experience in life is sometimes people just get like resentful if their Robinson isn't what they want them to be. And then they're just stuck. But what you're saying is you can create that community. You can find someone in your community. That's not a Robinson. You can find a different rebutton of a different show. Now with our global community, you can, I mean, finds a, a friend or a representative from another community. You know what I mean? Like that we have to do work to create the mentors that we need because you're absolutely right. Women in the firm Community need mentors. And I will say more than ever that we now during this time period where we're distanced from our communities physically and we're not going to show and we're, you know, we're we're creating this global community and network of support and we need it more than ever. Well, it's true, and
0: some of us outs don't even go to shul even before corona because our shuls don't have um, children's programming over here in Cleveland right. Heights. So, um, right. you know, it's and I think that I've heard so many times from friends in the past people who have become religious later in life and they go to the shul and they find a shul that they like and they aren't able to connect to the rub or the rub in, and then they just are floating and they stop. And I think that one of the things that is such an amazing bracha that we are now so connected for better or for worse, but because of the ease of being able to go and find people and connect and communicate, you really can look outside of the box. Like we're not we're not living in like the, the 80s where you're just like, you have your community and that's it. And it's hard to find something else. Like we really do have the ability to go and cultivate a relationship with someone who is going to be able to give us the guidance that we need. Now, actually, going and doing it is another step, you know? <laughs> but um, the, so it's interesting. the potential is there.
1: I find more and more my husband and I are the Robin Robinson for people who don't live here. Some of them we've never met, some used to live here or we bumped into at some point in life. Um, there's a girl who once came here for Yuntif. Who calls me regularly. I'm her Robinson. I met her. I like, I shared a Yontov meal with her once. And at the end of Yontov, she called me after like months of Yontip, she asked her hostess for my number. And she said, can you be my Robinson? And I thought it was so, at the time I was like, wait, what? Like <laughs> she came to the class I gave that, that day. And we had a conversation after the class, but she was one of those people you're describing Rifki, somebody who had become from and was kind of floating around, like didn't really have, I guess like if she was in Israel, she would have Neve. but she was back in America and didn't. Yeah. And we talk all the time. You know, I'm I'm a college teacher. My colleagues from six, seven years ago still call me Bar HaShem. And I sometimes feel like, wait, you live in a big community where there's a shul on every block. You don't have a Reviton there? But, and, and that's not that I mind people calling me. It's just, it, it makes me sad sometimes that there are people who live in, places that are so saturated with role models and they're calling me, but I'm glad I can be there for them. You know, there is that. So, so, and I don't know any Rebison who would say, Oh, you don't live in my community. I can't help you. You know, like that just doesn't happen. So, you know, pick up the phone, call somebody who you once connected with or who you've met online or you see on social media or, you know, someone you think you can. And I appreciated that she asked me that question, this particular woman and she said, can you be my Rebison? So it wasn't just like, hi, I heard your name and can you help me with this? I get that a lot also. What I get a lot is actually my students' friends. It's like my high school students go to seminary and call me. And then you. Know, I think every year I've had girls call and say, my my roommate doesn't have a Robinson and she really needs someone to talk to. Can you talk to her? Hmm. I'm like, sure. And then I never, I don't even know the names of these girls that I speak to sometimes. you know They put their roommates on the phone. And then, you know, but then they come home and then, and then I do dating coaching and I you know, college teacher. So like, I might end up more connected with them. It happens. It really happens a lot. And then the other thing I kind of want to describe the program that I'm involved with, Alex, you know about CORE. So CORE is an, an organization that supports women who are strengthening cholesterol. So that means Revitons. It means just those women in your community who are working to strengthen cholesterol in so many ways. CORE supports those women. So one of the things that CORE is doing is training mentors. There are 40 women around the world, six continents, who are being trained to be community mentors, to be those quote-unquote Revitins who aren't necessarily Revitins. I am, obviously. But most of the group is not Revitins. They're all women who are already functioning as mentors in their community. And CORE is giving us training to support us and to to make us better at what we do. So I can't can call myself a core mentor in addition to being a Repetit and you never know if you're looking for someone in your community, there might be somebody who's already a core mentor and hopefully in the next few years, there'll be core mentors in most from communities who you can reach out to and not feel like you're calling a stranger who doesn't really want to hear from you. They're being trained to be core mentors and there is one in Cleveland. Yes.
2: But clearly, you know, core was founded because there's this need for non-Repetit mentors and lay leaders. Because the Republicans can't do it on their own. I mean, Kami, I'm listening to hear, you hearing, yeah, I'm, excuse me, I'm hearing what you're saying in terms of all these people that you are connecting to. And I'm like wondering, like, what about your own boundaries? Like, when do you turn around and say, no, I can't talk to you, or I need to take care of my family, or I need to do my job? You know, th- there's so much need. I think CORE came, came, you know, onto the scene because we need more women to step up to the plate. And also,
0: I want to just say that I love the idea of all the core mentors also being connected to each other, because mentors also need to have that support and to have strengthening and to be able to have the community to be able to recharge themselves and strengthen themselves and discuss the things like you're mentioning, like Alex, like the boundaries and anything like that, because a mentor can't exist in in a vacuum, you know, the mentor also has to be refueled in order to be able to then provide uh, the service to the community. And I love the idea of having people who, like, you know that they want you to call, because I know that for me, a lot of times, and for other people I know, sometimes there's that feeling of like, oh, I don't really want to bother them, and it's not such a big problem, and it'll probably go away. (laughs) Like, Uh does it ever go away? It never goes away. Call your mentor today. Um, (laughs) And on the topic of the challenges of the job of
1: being a representant. So that's really the biggest challenge is like not being able to be, even the things I love doing, not being able to do them as much as I love doing them.
2: Wow. It's just so beautiful to hear that you just want to give more and more. And that's your limitation. That's your challenge. Not those annoying congregants who uh, bug you all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have those. Really, we're we're very fortunate. We're in a really, really, really special community. I don't have annoying congregants who bug me all the time. Oh my
0: everyone husband should, everyone should do <laughs> not This is like a commercial for Norfolk now. <laughs> it Your husband should thank us. <laughs> okay. As we were wrapping up the conversation, we touched on the topic of working as a team and how it's really different for every couple.
1: My husband and I really work as partners. There are some rabbits who feel like, you know, this that's my husband's job and I'm a an accountant, right? Like I don't have to be part of that. I'm not for us, it's really a joint passion. Like As much as my husband always knew he was going to be a rabbi and I didn't always know he was going to be a rabbi, we really do it together. And we really both believe in it and we really work well together.
0: A little over a week after our conversation with Chani, we spoke with Yocheva Goldberg of Boca Raton. Okay. Hi, I'm Yocheva Goldberg. One thing that came up in our discussion was the uniqueness of the existence of the position of rabbi.
3: You
2: really encouraged them to take that direction. But you know, what you then? said is very true,
3: that a lot of wives do marry rabbis. And the only reason why they are a Rebbitzin is because they're married to a rabbi. You know, I always say the only other job like this or position like this is the first lady who marries the president. There's no one else who becomes a position just because of who they marry. They usually earn it. They usually have to do work for it, get a degree for it. It's, it's a very strange concept. So there are a lot of people in the Rebbiton role who say just because I married a rabbi doesn't mean I necessarily have to be a practicing Rebbiton. And there are others like me who say I want to be a Rebbiton, you know, and I love (laughs) this position. And it gave me such a great um, opportunity in my life. So this is something that I very much value. That's really fantastic. And it's, it's fascinating to me, like,
0: you know, the, the adage, of course, you know, behind every great man is a great woman. And like, it's so interesting to see like the, just like the dynamic of like, this is your focus. This is something that you wanted. This is your goal. And then the way that that was able, you were able to use that in relationship to your husband's job and that it really seems like such a, a strong
3: partnership. I think it's so beautiful. Yes, we try. I mean, I mean, you know, I don't think that's necessarily true by us. He's definitely great in his own right. But, <laughs> For sure. <yeah>. But together. <laughs> Yeah, together we try to uh, work hard, do good things, yes.
0: We also talked about the importance of the existence of lay leaders and how really no one can do it by themselves. And so we're all, our communities are all better when we do things together. Beautiful. Absolutely. And I know that that's something that Alex and I are both very passionate about, about lay lay leaders still being exactly what you said.
2: Um,
0: absolutely,
2: yeah. And I'd imagine rabbis and rabbis would encourage lay, leader, lay leaders. Like, we can't do it all on our own. We want, we want other people. You don't have to be married to a rabbi. You don't have to be, you know, to contribute.
3: So it's a great right, message. Very much so. And this community is so large, thank God. It's a, it's a very um, big, robust community, um, people moving in nonstop. And uh, we can't possibly do it all ourselves. You know, we have to have a welcoming committee. We have to have a buddy system. We have to have a chesed committee. We have a, you know, a Beaker holm committee. We have so many different subcommittees to be able to help accomplish everything we want to do because we're very few people. We even have a keyword rabbi, an outreach rabbi, because in South Florida, there's so many unaffiliated Jews. And while we would love to be able to get everyone, you know, to understand Torah and love Torah and come close to Torah, we can't possibly do that ourselves. I think in every community, you need partners in that. So, you know, we really try to um, do what we can, but we definitely need lay leaders to step up and, and do their part as well. 100%.
0: Love it. We talked about how you can relate to people from any type of background, even if you didn't necessarily grow up with a, you know, diverse kind of community. I have a couple of questions that came to mind as you were saying that was, was being, was relating to people from various different backgrounds with very different, various different stages in life. Was that something that you came naturally, that came naturally to you? Or is that something that you cultivated over time?
3: So that's a very good question, because when you think about where I grew up, <laughs> I definitely was not the standard. You know, when I was growing up, I don't think I ever met a a convert, a Chabadnik, a Sparty. A I mean, you know, in Lawrence in the 1980s, 90s, we were very, uh, you know, homogeneous. And the schools I went to were all pretty similar. And I really never met anyone that different from me. And then when I started getting involved in NCSY, I I met, I remember I was in 10th grade and I met an advisor who was a balas shuva on her own. She used to sneak like kosher food into her room to be able to keep kosher in our house. Her parents completely did not approve of it. wasn't happy, but they didn't support it. And I was like blown away. I'd never met anyone like that here. I'm in Yeshiva; Everything's being spoon-fed to me and handed to me on a silver platter. It's so easy. It just comes so naturally. And I didn't fully appreciate it. I mean, it was something I did out of rote because that's what everyone around me was doing. And then I met her and my eyes were like open. Wow, there are people who are choosing this lifestyle and who love it. And, and it was amazingly very inspiring to me to be near, to be in that environment. At first, going to NCSY was a rebellious thing because it was co-ed. <laughs> I was an all-girls thing. It turns out to be a huge turning point in my life because at that point was when I started davening sincerely and, and going to shiurim and, you know, I had such a different philosophy on being Jewish and and firm and a different appreciation because I was exposed to that. So I definitely did have a little bit of that earlier on, um, you know, and then, and then I... I guess moving to Boca was a really eye-opening experience for me as well because Boca was very different. When we first moved here, very different than Lawrence and anything I'd ever known. And when we first moved, it was really a community of a lot of Bali Tshuva, um, a lot of interesting people who I'd never really been exposed to before. I mean, our next-door neighbor are, are this real sparty Iraqi family who we love. They're like family. And um, and so many different types of people here. And it really opened my eyes and diversified my whole way of thinking and looking at at the world and how there's so many different types and everyone has so many great qualities and there's so much to value in people. And it really, it was, it was amazing for me. And I love the fact that my kids are growing up Seeing all of that and appreciating all types of people, and um, that it's not just one little cookie cutter way to be a narrow road. You have to be this or that. That's it, black and white. We, we don't, you know. Here, there's so many different types of people, and everyone's respected. Everyone's appreciated. Everyone is valued, and and I love that. I think that's enhanced my life in such in so many ways. So um, I don't remember what the question was, but <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs>
2: it doesn't matter. We love everything
3: you just said. <laughs>
0: Creating a sense of community has been challenging this past year, and we really appreciated Jochevet's take on what her community has been doing to try to still keep that going.
2: So you're still maintaining the sense of community and connectedness. I don't know if it's like the weather here in Cleveland, but between (laughs) the weather and Corona, I am like more isolated than ever. And winter normally is hibernating, but it sounds like you're able to still with the restrictions of Corona still
3: create a strong sense of community? Is that accurate? Right, so that's definitely been challenging as of late. Um, there are all these new people who have moved in. And I haven't even met all of them. I haven't even heard of all of them moving in. Wow. they kind of moving under the radar because, you know, we can't, them over for meals and we can't you know really adequately welcome them like we have in the past in person we've had new members events we had one in our backyard a couple months ago and people sat there distanced with masks we actually when they we went around to have everyone introduce themselves we said just lower your mask for one second just so we can recognize you next time we see you you know so we're hoping people take advantage of, of those opportunities and we have you know if anyone does come on our radar we have like I said the welcoming community the buddy system people to reach out to them and welcome them um but you you know, The sense of community is definitely something that's been challenged, and I think it's um worldwide because we're not having community functions and programs, and so much is being done on Zoom. There are minyanim, um, there is shul Shabbos morning, there is a woman's section. Um, you know, there definitely is opportunity to come and be in person at different things, but not the way it was. You know, the are shul dinners and simchas, big simchas, and you know, um, and big purim carnivals like we've always had. But one thing that we do have here that we're very lucky about is great weather so we don't have to worry during the year about being snowed in about not being able to you know have things outdoors there have been a lot of different opportunities we could have outdoors because we're floridas we have beautiful weather which is really really nice so we've tried you know we haven't been with people as much as we used to but we're trying slowly you know to to here you know here and there if we could see anyone you know but it's again it's it's very compromised right now we hope when the corona is done we can start getting back to normal Yes, <laughs>
0: you're her. We also had a moment of just adoring Florida in general. Um, when we recorded this interview, it was February and it was winter and it was snowy here in Cleveland. So we, we had a little moment where we just kind of fantasized about what it would be like to live in a warmer climate.
2: You also have the sun that you could just like go outside and sit on your patio. I'd imagine you have some kind of patio, maybe even a pool out there. <laughs> Alex, you're making me, I'm like looking at my window at the gray
0: sky and the white oh. snow. <laughs>
2: and the that's 23 like, weather.
0: Yeah. You're making me
2: jealous. Maybe we should have the Boca.
0: That's the answer. Oh my gosh. Well, you are
2: selling me and I'm sure you're selling a lot of the ladies
3: that are listening.
2: <laughs> to this it, it is, there is something
3: special about the lifestyle here when the weather is beautiful. It's not like that crazy fast paced. It's just slower. It's calmer kids are running around playing in the streets all year, you know, it's, it's just a more natural, easy, slower paced. I, I don't know. It's just a great place to raise kids. I can't, I can't describe it. Uh, it's it's just, I know. I'm sorry. I'm making, uh, <laughs> making it's, digging it's, cancer. it's 17 <laughs> degrees outside today. Know, so that. it's just not
2: good timing for us to hear this. Right, right. Well, my parents live in Boynton beach. So I do know we go to visit and trust me, I have thought about it many times. And, and we just, we'll
0: we just go to Florida when we need sunshine. We don't have any family there. But it doesn't keep us from coming to Florida for the weather and the wonderful people and as we were wrapping up Yochavet had some words of validation for Rebbetzins who maybe weren't as excited about the Rebbetzin role that they found themselves in and also just some words of advice for communities on how to
2: treat the Rebbetzins in their midst it's wonderful that you're able to support each other and I love the concepts of referring um, so just get more bang for your buck this power couple <laughs> Exactly.
3: and it's not this. it's not it, I'm not I hope I'm not sounding too pollyanna about this, because the truth is there are a lot of Rebbitzins out there who who might be somewhat resentful of the fact that, like, because their husband's the rabbi, they now have to host or they now have to, you know, um, go to everything or whatever it is that they feel that they're required to do. And I, and I understand those people also. They're kind of like, you know what? This is kind of a job that's part of my husband's job. If it's a job, then maybe I should be compensated for that job. And I think everyone sees this differently. So I don't want to come off as like, everything's perfect. And, you know, it's, it's something that's a decision that I made, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm happy to be that partner and, and do all those things that I've decided to do. And again, this is all my decision. The community does not obligate me to do anything. You know, they're not like expecting me here and there. Um, it's my own, it's my own sense of obligation, you know, where I feel like, you know, I'm not really in the mood to go to that bar mitzvah, but you know, for that family, that's, they're, only bar mitzvah, you know, or that's, it's not fair for me to not go, you know, and it's not just a Stam community member not going. I know that it means more in the and you know, and the rabbi both are showing up to their simcha means a lot. So, you know, it's kind of a, a mentality that I've, you know, cultivated through the years. And it's something that not everyone might agree and, and understand you know, and, and feel that's right for them. And that's all totally understandable. You know, it's really make it up as you go along kind of thing. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm very, very glad that you mentioned that because there are different types of rabbitsons and we're having you on the show today on this episode to, you know, for you to share your journey and your experience. And we can all learn from that. And maybe another rabbitson will learn from that. But um, it is very important that we understand that each person, you are a, peop- a, pre- you're a, you're a people person. This is part of your vision, your mission, um, your journey as you know, as a woman and, and, and that, that we, that we need to appreciate in another Rabbitson may do things differently. And that's the exactly. discussion today.
3: Exactly. Right. I'm saying that's something that I feel adds tremendous value to my life to be involved in this way. There are other women who are doctors, you know, happen to be married to a rabbi or who, you know, are very overwhelmed, you know, with, with their household you know, duties and, and can possibly give more time. Everyone has their own and their own um, life circumstances. And I think it's really important for communities to cut the in some slack, understand that the Rebbitzins can't be everything to everyone and do everything always. And what they can do is an added bonus. What they can't do has to be understood. Uh, we don't have hours that we're working that we're, you know, uh, telling my work for these hours. So now, being, it's, it doesn't work like that. You don't even get the recognition always, you know, and, and it's just kind of like you go along with your husband. And so, you know, I think there has to be a good understanding of the community that the Rebbitzins can't be, Everything but um and and Retson should try to do what she can to stretch herself and, and try to you know take advantage of this role and find things that she enjoys and, and sees value in, but everyone has to do them do what's right for them and and not feel pressure I think love yeah, the message hard. very
2: important thank you for sharing that that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed these
0: little extra tidbits of wisdom and humor from the rabbittsons and Alex and I wish you a Chag Kosher Vesemeach and hope that all of your preparations, whatever they may be, go smoothly and quickly and with as little stress as possible.
1: See you next
3: episode.